Welcome to the Oxygen Mass Podcast. If you are here as a parent or caregiver, educator or grandparent, we are glad to have you listening. This program is geared for the autism parent, but we welcome and invite all who feel called to be here with us. I'm Tara, and I'm your co-host, along with my partner, Beth. The title of this podcast, The Oxygen Mask, is based on a metaphor. Just as you are instructed on an airplane to put on your own mask before helping others, we believe we need to practice helping ourselves as parents so we can best help our children. Hi, I'm Beth. At the beginning of each episode, we'll turn that metaphor, that symbol of an oxygen mask, into a concrete practice, pausing a few minutes each day to quiet our busy minds and breathe into our bellies provides a surge of stress-reducing neurochemicals. With practice over time, we actually build pathways in our brains that help reduce our stress response. So even if you hit play on this podcast about to enter multitasking mode, please take a moment of pause for yourself. Let's begin. Close your eyes softly and bring your attention to your feet as they contact the surface beneath them, rooting you to this moment. Roll your shoulders back. Let them settle in a strong, relaxed posture. Take a belly breath in through your nose. Feel the sensation of air in your nostrils, in the back of your throat. Exhale slowly. Notice your chest fall and your belly soften. Draw another deep breath into your belly. Envision the cool air swirling up across your forehead. Exhale, picturing the warm air going down the back of your neck and over your shoulders. Bring your attention to your face, your temples, your jaw. Take a final cleansing breath in. At the top of your in-breath, bend your elbows and softly place your hands on your hips. Exhale slowly, perhaps letting a smile curl the corners of your mouth. Hold this posture for a few seconds as you open your eyes. Again, welcome. We are so glad you're here. Welcome to this episode of the Oxygen Mask Podcast. These are trying COVID times, my friends, and we need to especially now be taking care of ourselves um, so that we can care for those around us, which has always been the message of the Oxygen Mask. Um, We've mentioned before on this podcast that we want to share the mic with parents from a range of different backgrounds and experiences. And today we're we're super excited to have a guest that I think you're going to find really encouraging. So Beth, do you want to introduce our special guest? Sure. So today we have Dr. Delia Samuels. She's a mathematics professor and mother of two autistic boys. And Delia, before we dive in, can you tell uh, listeners a little bit about the ways you're involved in the autism community? Of course. So so as a parent, first of all, I have written a book called Against the Odds, Inspiration for Parenting Children with Special Needs. And it's basically a recipe for parents and caregivers and anybody basically who want to learn about autism and how to cope with the challenges of raising a child, an autistic child or children 
it's a recipe filled with love, with lots of humor and faith. So that's the first thing. The other thing is I've given talks um, within the United States on my journey and how I have triumphed against the odds. I have also started the first autism conference in the Caribbean. So I go there once a year whereby I continue the work down there. I've had autism camps. I have had um, um, therapists from Minnesota and also from New York coming down with me to serve the communities, the autistic community in St. Lucia, um, which is where I'm from. And then I am the founder, one of the founders and one of the board members of MAND, the Multicultural Autism Action Network here based in Minnesota, where we serve um, families um, with autistic children. Basically, we give them all the support that they need so that they can become contributing members of society. So mm -hmm. I do a lot of overseeing the administration, but I also give talks. Mm -hmm. um, so I give a lot of talks to educators and to parents and one-on-one. Um, -on -one. So for example, on to tomorrow, right? I have a session mm -hmm. with the Somalian parents, basically how to cope with distance learning. Because as an educator, I, I, I try to give tips on how I have managed to get my own children to do well and to excel during distance learning. Now you've really mentioned that you parents appreciate your transparency and how honest you are about the full uh, scopes of your journey. Uh, what do you find that are some of the tender topics that you can kind of step into with parents that seem to free them up to understand their experiences better? Wow. So I am a really honest person. I've always been that way, very transparent. I wear my heart on my sleeve. And so I tell you as is. Um, one of the things that really resonates with parents is the grief process because it is a grief process that you go through when your child is diagnosed with autism. So I go through all the steps and I am so transparent telling them that I was in denial. I refuse to believe that my child have, had autism. And I said, I'm gonna show you, you know, and, I, and sometimes I actually kept my child back. I'm, I'm very honest mm -hmm. about that. I kept him back, my firstborn, from getting what he needed because I wanted to show them that you are wrong, you know, and that was mm -hmm. denial. I tell them about my confusion and then I tell them about my anger. Well, even before anger, guilt. And this is something that a lot of parents don't want to admit how ashamed they feel, how guilty they feel that I felt something was wrong with me. You know, that I had done something wrong to give my children autism. So I let them see that. I let them know how angry I felt. And that anger stage lasted, I would say, a good four years. Wow. Yeah. I was really mm. angry. And I honestly hated my life. Mm. I wish I did not have that life. Now, these are things that parents feel but they don't want to say because they, they, they would not like to see how they would be looked at. They may be frowned on, but if you hated your life, you hated your life, you know, but the importance is not remaining there, you know, and I show them how I move from this stage 
of anger and all of these negative stages to the stage of acceptance. And it's okay to go through those stages. It's okay. I, I tell them that it's okay. That's fine. But don't remain there. Mm-hmm. Move, move. And I also um let them let them see how I moved from why me. I always, why me? Why me and why too? You know, to why not me? How I moved from brokenness to beauty. How I moved from I can't so yes, I can, you know, and I let them see that they are enough. Mm. And this is something that parents want to hear. I am enough. Mm. I am amazing. I have beautiful children. They may bite, they may hit, but I am a superwoman. You are a superman. You are, you can do it. You are enough Hmm. and this is how I am with the parents I just I just tell them you know and it resonates with them I think the first time I picked up your book was years ago Mm -hmm. and if I I think I was wavering between acceptance and going back to like anger or denial depending on the stress level and the situation and I could look at that and say you know, oh, great advice. I I can't handle any more advice right now. Or, you know, just this rejection and this, do parents pretty much like warmly welcome that? Or do you get some pushback of frustration? Yeah. Oh, yes. And it is. And it's okay. It's the Mm -hmm. stage that you're at. There are times, Beth, that Mm -hmm. I do, even though I am in the why not me stage, there are times that I go back into the why me, you know, Yes, I love those ways you say it. Why yeah. not me and why me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't stay there. You know, there are times that I still go to, I, I used to do that a lot in my anger stage, like scream into my pillow, you know, and just, well, away from the boys. I never did that in front of the boys, but there are times that I still do it mm-hmm. you know, when I'm really tired, but I don't remain there. So when when the parents tell me that, <clears throat> I tell them, that's okay. It's okay to doubt. You know, it's okay that you just don't want to hear anymore. It's okay. You know, there will come a time when you will want to hear. You know, Mm -hmm. you'll be able to receive. And just open your hands and your heart to receiving, you know, Mm -hmm. and the blessings that will unflow, that will overflow in your life because you have opened yourself to it would be just amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember I told, I can tell you one thing. Um, I remember I'd given a, a talk to a Somalian community. And if you know the Somalian community, they are very private, you know, and they are the ones who go through a lot of guilt and so on. So I, I told them my story, you know, and I remember this at the end of the talk, this Somalian um, parent stood up and she said, you're a very strong woman. You, you, are, you are a very strong woman. But I'm going to ask you a question, and I hope you are going to be honest with me. But it seems you are honest, and that's exactly what she said. And she says, um, you seem to, you, you love your children so much, and you are doing so well. You have reached acceptance stage. But here's the question. If at the beginning of your journey, when you had these two children, you were given two roads, one to walk the road of autism, this road that you are on now, the other road to walk the road of no autism, where your children are neurotypical and you don't have to go through all that you are going through, which one would you take? 
Ah, that was a difficult question. I was silent for a while. And this is what I said. I said, do I want my child to have autism? Do I want my children to be bullied? Do I want to have all of these sleepless nights, having nights where I have one hour sleep? No, I don't. Who would want that? My children suffer. I don't want my children to suffer. However, I've learned so much on that journey. So much about life, so much about my children, so much about autism, so much about me. And if this was the only road I could have taken to know what I know now, to be who I am now, to love like I love now, I would take that road again and again and again. Mm -hmm. That's the honest truth. That's really powerful. Yeah, for sure. I, I really appreciate what you're saying too about grief because we've talked about it on our podcast many times. And I think the way you're explaining it is just so powerful. And it's a good reminder because I think a lot of times people think that there are there's stages of grief and that you just work through them uh, in a chronological order. But it's really good to remember that it's messy, right? Like you could be in two stages at once and you can circle back around and you can learn lessons and then have to go back and learn them all over again. And, and so it's, it's really important what you're saying to not stay there, to keep moving. Um, I think that's key. So thank you for that. That was really uh, something I'm taking away. So thank you. You're so welcome, Sarah. Thank you. Just thinking about planting seeds, like just your story or your example, and it may feel completely out of reach for where I'm at right now, but I can hear it and know that there is another understanding of my circumstances or of the, you know, that there is another way of thinking. Um, maybe I'm not there and maybe I'm still angry and I need to deal with what I'm dealing with right now, but to say, to plant the seeds of other possibilities or other angles and, um, benefits and strengths that come through struggle so exactly exactly and there are just so many possibilities and again we are different although we have um children autistic children we are different so when we grab hold of the possibilities we evolve in different ways but in beautiful ways so it's important to see the possibilities and grab hold of them you know move with them you know, it's okay to fall sometimes. We're going to fall, you know, <laughs> many yes. times. But we have to get up with our children and hold on to their hands and just move. So kind of in that vein, and I'm, you know, this is just so wonderful. I'm like just soaking up everything that you're talking about. Um, but you had mentioned in when we talked, you know, previously off air, when you when you were talking with Beth about coming on to our show, um, that your style of advocating for your boys is very direct and assertive. Um, and would you say that's like part of your personality that you've always had, or was that something that you had to, like a skill that you had to develop? In part, I have always been direct and assertive and I'm an educator, so I have to be assertive. But there are times that I would still shy away from things and possibly not give my opinion. But with my boys, I had to grow. I had to evolve. And I love them so much. I want the best for them. So if 
I see that they are not getting the best, the mama bear in me comes out and I tell it as it is. And I call, I'm always calling the teachers, you know, emailing them. This is what I think. This is this, you know. I remember just recently with my, my younger one, my 12-year-old, he's non-verbal. And he goes to this fantastic school. And um, they wanted, they're doing synchronous learning. I know that my child would not survive with synchronous learning. If mm -hmm. I put, and I have tried that because we do teletherapy at home and I know what it's like for him to sit in front of the computer and listen to the therapist, you know? So I know it's like I've been bitten, I've been hit. So I don't want that for him. It's just too frustrating. So I told him, no, <clears throat> um, he's not going to do synchronous learning, you know, and they persisted, you know? And I said, no, asynchronous learning. I'm an educator you send me the curriculum or tell me what I need to do and I'm going to teach my child, you know, and this is what I'm doing. So I think parents are sometimes afraid to advocate. I, I They don't know how to, and they feel that possibly that the teachers know best, that whatever is on the IEP is basically because the, the special ed, um, edu the special ed teachers know best, but we, parents are the experts we know right. our child the best so yeah. we need to tell them if something is not working tell them it's okay you know and they will learn they learn from us you know yeah of course they are experts in their own way but we are the ones who live daily with our children we see how they grow Right. Yeah. I think that's so important because I think early on, like I had a hard time. I wasn't afraid to advocate. Like you said, you kind of go into mama bear mode, right? Like you do anything, but it's hard to know like what to advocate for when you don't know what's possible. So like somebody being told, Hey, you're going to, your child's going to do synchronous learning. And maybe somebody who hasn't found that voice in themselves yet might go, okay, well, I guess we're just going to you know, be set up to fail here. But I like that you're saying, no, that doesn't work for us. What else is possible? You know, like if you have clarity, like with the way you just said that about synchronous versus asynchronous learning, like name it, it needs to be the most direct path to an appropriate fit because we don't um, messing around. No, nobody's got time for that, especially our kids when their morale and persistence really um, is, is, relying on our our advocacy so yeah yeah hey everybody this is beth jumping in just to let you know we're gonna wrap this episode um just but it's only part of the conversation we had with delia so look for the next episode um, of our conversation with her she's got so much to say and i hope you're finding yourself encouraged um, a reminder check out the show notes for resources on some of the things that Delia has mentioned. And finally, I just wanted to thank the Minnesota Department of Human Services and the Minnesota Department of Health, who have, um, the CEA has received a Family Connections grant from them that helps to fund the creation of this podcast episode. Thanks again, and look for that second episode coming soon. Bye-bye. You can comment and subscribe to the podcast at Communities Engaging Autism's website at www.cea4, that's the number four, autism.org. 
Share the podcast with members of your village to strengthen those essential connections. And above all, please secure your own oxygen mask before helping others.